quite unusual. Hi, and welcome to the Quite Unusual Podcast. I'm Nicole. And I'm Noelle. And we are your hosts. Uh, Emphasis on hosts. Um, I know you had like a bunch of stuff you wanted to talk about, but I have something I, really... I actually didn't have much to talk about. So if you have stuff to talk about... I have something very important. Okay. Can we just pretend like you had a lot to talk about and like yeah, my I stuff had, is more important right now? I had so many things to say. And like really important stuff. Yeah. I was going to talk about all of the important... We don't have time for it, Nicole. <sighs> okay, we don't have time okay, for yeah. it because I figured out what's going on with the universe. What, what do you mean? Everything. Just, everything. Just what's wrong I have an it? explanation for every single thing that has happened since 2004. So like all the, like COVID and all. Everything. Okay. Well, everything. Hit us. Let's, let's hear it. Are you familiar with the term Benefer? <laughs> As in Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck. J-Lo and Sadfleck himself. Yes. Okay. They were the hottest thing. Well, guess what? They're back, baby. No. Yeah, not to like totally make this about like celebrity gossip right now, but celeb goss. <laughs> dishing out some hot goss right now about Benifer, <laughs> but we need to talk about it because they're okay. back together. Okay. I she, just saw this on she Twitter. She just broke up with A Rod though, yeah, didn't she? Ditched A Rod back with Sad Fleck. Back on the Sad Fleck train. Okay. Yeah, you got to. Right. Got to. Got he was to. the most well, mediocre of all the Batmans. Do you have to? No, she's so much better than him. Like, what is she doing? Yeah. What is she doing? But that's not what I'm here to talk about. Okay. I'm here to talk about the secrets of the universe and how Benefer ruined everything. Actually, <laughs> they didn't. So here's my theory. Okay. Okay. Let us have it. I'm so sorry. I'm just getting all. You're a little worked up right now. You're at a. So sweaty. You're at a nine. I need you to take it to a five. I'm so sweaty right now. She's okay. so sweaty. Super sweaty. <laughs> I can see it dripping from your forehead. Fuck my eyes. <laughs> okay. In 2004. Yeah. After the hit motion picture. Geely. <laughs> that was in 2003. They got together. 2004, they broke up. Everyone was like, what? You yeah. guys were so hot. It but was actually, a, year, a year of romance. And then it was. It just all went away. It was hot and heavy. And then it dissipated. Yeah. Like ramen noodles left in the water too long. Do they? They don't. I have no idea. <laughs> but I just got a mental image of it. It felt right. So I went with it. Okay. But or, yeah, like ramen noodles, they dissipated. <laughs> like so many ramen, they they went away. Mm. She was hot, hot tater tot, and he was a freaking sad boy, and no one gave a shit about him. Well, back then he was he was hot stuff. I mean, yeah, he was like smoking pot or whatever. But yeah. like, who cares? Okay, because she's J Lo, Jenny yeah. from the block. She's have a little now. She has a lot. Okay, <laughs> but they broke up in two thousand and four. Right, and then what happened? That's right. Like the Haiti then. earthquake, <laughs> the Fukushima nuclear disaster. Remember Hurricane Sandy? Yeah, that little bitch popped her head out of the water. <laughs> Ebola outbreak. And then guess what we just dealt with for the last 18 months? Corona. So what you're saying is mm -hmm. Benefer breaking up yes. is the catalyst that set the world on the wrong timeline? Possibly. Or, you know how, like, obviously all fate is predetermined? Possibly, but who knows? But yeah. maybe that's a thing that happens? Yes. Okay, so possibly someone time traveled. Who I don't know who it was, but whoever mm. it was, fess the fuck up because you ruined a lot of it's shit. that okay? one hipster guy in that picture that shouldn't be there. 
Exactly. I bet you it was him. Yeah. Like when you like look at old pictures and you're like, wait, is that an iPhone in 1843? What's going yeah. on right now? Totally yeah. doesn't make any sense, it right? Him. It, was, it him. was definitely him. So someone time traveled. Yeah. I got to slow down. Take a deep breath. Stressing out right now. Okay. So someone time traveled. <laughs> yes. They butterfly effect the shit out of something. I don't know what it was. Maybe like they were a converse and they hadn't been invented yet. And someone was like, hey, kids, sweet kicks. What's going on there? You little hoodwinked badoodle. And he was like, I don't know. Or like maybe they just actually stepped on a butterfly. That could have happened too. But we can go with your version. That works. That works also. <laughs> I came up with an old timey word in everything. <laughs> then th- we're going to go with yours. I like it better. It's way cooler than stepping on a butterfly. <laughs> Do butterflies land on the ground all the time? Sometimes. Maybe. You're on like a flower that's close to the ground. Like a low-lying flower. Like a dandelion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Butterflies a, are notorious yeah. for laying on low-lying dandelions. The, yeah. That's what they're known for. So someone stepped on a low-lying dandelion that was... <laughs> also had a butterfly on <laughs> Also it. had a butterfly on it. <laughs> and smushed the butterfly. Mm. And then... This whole catastrophic event happened and it set like the fates, like the little threads of time became a wiggling and they got all off kilter and things were in a straight line and everything was going fine. And then all of a sudden a wrench got thrown in the mix, much like a butterfly stepped on Mm -hmm. and everything went haywire. Oh, okay. So you're not saying that Benefer breaking up was what started it. You just think that that was... They were supposed to stay together. (laughs) And that's how... And the butterfly death... Yes. ...broke them apart. Te- kind of, yeah. Or, like, we're just seeing that as a side effect of what happened because, like, mm. instead of going in a straight line, picture, like, it went around in, like, a circular motion. I'm making hand yeah. motions that no yeah, one can it's see a right different. Now. It took a different timeline, different path. Exactly. Well, all this terrible stuff happened and, like, world was ending and, like, everyone was like, it's 2012, the Mayan calendar. Oh, yeah. Shit, yeah, I forgot dude. about that. So much stuff happened. So many that, things. That, like, no one even remembers. Remember when we had that weird president that was, like, orange and only drank Diet Coke and ate McDonald's? Well, I like to forget about that. But See, yeah. exactly, but that wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> totally wasn't None of that to. stuff was supposed to happen. So it all happened and then, yeah. bam, things have been righted. We're back on track. Wait, so things have been righted because Benefer is back together. Or it just closed the loop. And now all the bad stuff is behind us. And Benefer is the way forward. Okay, so you're saying now because J-Lo and Sadfleck are back together, everything's going to be okay? Yeah, and if they break up, I don't even know what's going to happen. The world's going to burn down. Maybe oh. there's going to be, like, I don't even know, like, another... Well, I can't say a mass shooting because we have those every day here. Like, yeah. maybe there's just yeah. going to be, like, some sort of really bad thing that happens. Like, I don't know. Maybe they, like, bring back the Szechuan sauce again at McDonald's and then, like, they take it away again. <laughs> and there's, like, a nerd riot again for a second time and then a bunch of people die. Remember when people were killing each other about those chicken sandwiches from Popeye's? Was it Popeye's? Yeah, well, no, they were standing I'm in I'm talking lines. really fast. You are. You're very amped I'm about very this. upset about the Benefer debacle. But they're back together, though, so it, the world <sighs> you is know what? set right. You're right. <sighs> Conspiracy corner. Pull me out. Pull me out. No, I like you in there. Thank I'm you. keeping you there. I'm living here. It's where you live now. My precious. <laughs> I'll send you lotion in a basket for your dry skin. Thank you. It does put the lotion on its skin. <laughs> Thank or you. it gets the hose again. I want the hose. <laughs> she likes the hose. <laughs> I like the hose and the lotion. All right. So anyways, I'm sorry. I just feel like I needed to talk about it. I needed to get it <laughs> off my chest. Obviously, you can tell by how sweaty I am right now. 
that yeah. that was really weighing on me for the last 24 hours when I saw it on Twitter for the first time yesterday when I was supposed to be working, but I wasn't. Was that on Twitter? Somebody said that on Twitter? No, I just saw they were back together. Oh, and then you came And then oh. I spiraled. Yeah, that's a good spiral, though. You yeah. know, a lot of people say that um, Harembe, when he got shot. R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. They say that that was the catalyst that set the timeline in the wrong direction, too. Maybe that was just another symptom of the butterfly effect. Yeah. Well, Benefer breakup was before that, so. It was. It's got to be. Maybe that was an early, it was like a tremor. You know, like how yeah. there's like tremors before the earthquakes? Uh-huh. And it's like Benefer broke up and then Harambe really set it off. Gilder. Oh, Harambe. I said Harambe. It's okay, R.I.P. We're not a pronunciation podcast. It's been like, t- <laughs> no, we are a geography podcast. We are. We're a geography podcast. Anyways, so that's all I have to say about uh, Benefer. So if anyone thinks that I'm definitely right, because I am, or if you know who went back in time Step, and yeah. stepped on that butterfly and that low-lying flower. The dandelion. Bring them to me. I have words for them. You know what? It it, it makes sense. It really does. Like, why I would they even say. get back together unless they were fated to be together? Yeah. Who the fuck would get with Ben Affleck right now? Now we need uh, Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston to get back together to Whoa, complete. I just got goosebumps. To complete the, the how life really should be. Oh, my God. Right? And she has to get the Rachel cut again? Yeah. <gasps> yes. No. Yes. I have goosebumps. That is the only way that COVID will be wiped from the earth. Wow. We're going to call it COVID because it went away. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. (laughs) So as you can tell, we have a very exciting topic today. Yeah. I'm going to take a deep breath, maybe some water real quick while you explain what's going on because I am heated. I'm heated right now. Yeah. Okay. So Noelle's going to take maybe just like a quick break. Hot five. Hot Hot five. five. So anyways, (laughs) now that I have your attention... This week, we are talking about Patricia Hurst, who was a rich college girl, and then she turned into an armed terrorist. I love her. You like her. I'm really not that big of a fan of her. Um, I have my issues with her. I have issues with her, too. But yeah. overall, kind of like her style. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll talk more about it on the we'll, after we'll, show. We'll talk about it, yeah. Yeah. So without further adieu would you like to get into the early life oh i do patricia hearst hearst that's not how it says no it's not patricia campbell hearst was born (laughs) just kidding (laughs) patricia campbell hearst was born february 20th 1954 in san francisco california a pisces empathetic interesting yeah i wouldn't really call her that but well all right She's a fish lady. <laughs> is that the Pisces symbol fish? Yes, it is a fish. <laughs> she smelled like fish. It was disgusting. Oh, okay, that's you wouldn't bring it up because she was rich, but she yeah, smelled like fish. Well, she's she's still alive. Yes, yeah, she is. I think she still smells like fish. Probably if she's a Pisces, don't they all? <laughs> that's how that works. <laughs> that's how that works, right? <laughs> I'm a fire sign, and I just consistently smell like smoke. Yeah, so. it's kind of like we should talk about it. Actually, yeah, sorry. Actually, your shoulder's on fire a little bit. Oh, shit. Put that off. (laughs) So, she's a Pisces. She was also the third of five daughters, born to Randolph Anderson Hearst and Catherine Wood Campbell. Patricia, or Patty, as she actually hated being called, but everyone insisted on calling her, was the granddaughter of William Randolph Hearst Sr., a businessman, a politician, and a media mogul from the turn of the century. So, 
I was picturing sort of like Mr. Burns from The Simpsons because everything reminds me of The Simpsons. Yeah. But in charge of a bunch of newspapers and not a nuclear power plant. William Randolph Hearst ran the first real media empire called Hearst Communications. He was really creative and came up with that name all on his own. But it was, uh, I'm going to say not traditional. They focused more on sensationalizing the news and selling newspapers and cared less about cold, hard facts. This is where her family made their fortune. And also, fun fact, William Randolph Hearst was the inspiration for the movie Citizen Kane. Rosebud. Never saw it. You've never seen but Citizen Kane? But I assume Kane? there's a lot of citizens and one of them carries a cane? Mm, wrong. Okay. Um, it's just, you know what it's about? I'm just going to spoil it for everyone here. Okay. The movie's like 90 years old. It's, well, yeah, I mean, it's... If you haven't seen it. It's considered, like, the best movie of all time, too. So, I mean, if you if you are a movie buff and you haven't seen it, I would suggest seeing it. Well, spoil it. I love spoilers. Well, it's just about a fucking sled. That's all it's about. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> It'll make more sense when you walk it, watch it. It's about a sled? It's about a sled. Named, That's all I'm going to say. Named William Randolph Hearst? Yes. Whoa. No. The sled is named Rosebud. Have My. you ever played Sims? Yeah. And you know the code Rosebud? Sure. And then the semicolon, exclamation point? Yeah. And then it's how you get all your money? Yeah. That's why it's, oh. that's the code, because he was, like, super rich, had all the money. It's, yeah, it's a Citizen Kane reference. I always used to lock my Sims in a room, and then they would pee and die. Yeah, or you build a wall around them when you don't like them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they just pee themselves, yeah. yeah. Or you like if they just aren't very good at cooking, they just make them cook all the time, and they'll just light themselves on fire and do it for you. But you have to make sure somebody's standing by with a fire extinguisher so your whole house doesn't burn down. Oh yeah, that's like Sims one hundred and one. Or you just build a basement and then you take the stairs away and then you uh-huh. just leave that person in the basement. Oh yeah, for sure. The dirty little secret. <laughs> I'm not saying I've ever done that, but I'm just saying if you if you ever played sims and you did that that's a oh, thing yeah. you could do yeah that's called they call that parasite housing now mm-hmm. yeah. yeah just like a dirty right. little secret in the basement yeah mm-hmm. the ghost yeah well patty hearst also had a ghost and it was a very <laughs> privileged lifestyle that she grew up that was a really bad segue but i'm gonna stick with <laughs> it okay a huge derail and I i'm apologize. going with it i'm going with the segue patty hearst had a very privileged life growing up in northern california where she was haunted by the ghost of a rosebud <laughs> And she would go on to describe her childhood as, quote, really pretty perfect. Well, yeah, no shit. You were rich. She was, like, ungodly rich. Like, one of the richest families in the United States. Yes. She even went on to say that when she was young, she got her very own American Girl doll, and it wasn't even a knockoff. Like, it was a real one. It was a Samantha doll, which is the best one. Like, if you're asking me, I don't know if you are asking me. And she had, like, all the good accessories for her. And she didn't have to tell her friends that the American Girl doll was at the doll hospital. And that's why she couldn't bring it over to her house to play. But Because she definitely had a real doll and it was a real American Girl But is our real American Girl dolls, like, were there fake ones? I don't know. I never had a real one. You never had one? No. Because I wasn't, I didn't have a really pretty perfect life. I didn't have a perfect life, but I had one. fucking... I would have been a different Guess person. Guess which one I had. Was it Samantha? I'll fucking kill you. My sister had Samantha. You, I rebelled against everything. What did you get? And I got Josefina. You did not get Josefina. I did get Josefina because she was cooler than all of the other ones. And she came with a little Adobe yeah. uh, oven or something. They had cool accessories. Yeah, she was the best one. I never got one. She had a braid. I, I had fucking like, loved it. I had like the Walmart version. And oh. Then yeah. I would just tell my friends that... 
no, she's broken. I can't bring her. Yeah. Everyone got the ones that looked like them. Mm-hmm. And I got Josefina. Nice, dude. Josefina? Josefina? I don't know, man. I like Josefina. Put the hoe in Josefina. <laughs> so, Patty Hearst had an American Girl doll, and she grew up in Hillsboro, which is a city right near, it's like a little town near San Francisco. And mm-hmm. I looked it up to see what the houses looked like, and the average price of homes there is $7 million. Well, that doesn't surprise me. She was a very rich heiress. Yeah, I mean, it was no deal. Like, no, it was like no big deal. She's just like super down to earth, like blue collar billionaires, whatever, man. And it was here that she attended Crystal Springs School for Girls and the Santa Catalina School in Monterey. I like to think of her sort of like the Paris Hilton or the Gretchen Wieners of her time. Mm, her father, the inventor of newspapers. Yes. I don't think my father, who invented the newspaper, would be too happy to hear about this. My grandfather, the inventor of newspapers. Patty enrolled in Menlo College in Atherton, California, but transferred to the University of California, Berkeley, during her sophomore year to study art. In 1974, it was here that she moved in with her boyfriend, Stephen Weed. His family actually, um, they invented marijuana. They invented weed. That is not true. No, it's not true. (laughs) But... He really missed out because he was actually a giant loser and he could have been like the cool guy that was like, hey guys, it's me, Stevie Weed. Guess what I got? But instead he was just a freaking loser and he didn't have any dank reefer on him ever. Um, Is that what the kids are calling it? I don't eat drugs. Dank reefer? Yeah. I smoke drugs, weed. I don't call it that, but I'm also not a kid, so. Oh, if you're a kid and you call it dank reefer, let us know. So Stephen Weed, of Weed fame, met Patty when he was a teacher at the Catholic school that she attended. He decided to go back to school for art history as well, and he moved in with his 19-year-old girlfriend, Patty, to attend the same school as her. How old was he? I think he was like 26 at the time, and she was 19. 26 in it. Well, that's not that bad. No, it's not terrible. Especially when they get older, but yeah, yeah, I guess... Right out of school. It's a little weird. Yeah, and who was her teacher? Yeah. That's a little weird. Yeah. Well, Patty's parents hated the situation because it was kind of weird, and also he was a poor. Well, she's got enough money to go around. I mean, come on. Well, he was a poor, and she was associating. (laughs) But Patty and her boyfriend were like, you can't tell us what to do, mommy and daddy, and then they got engaged. But daddy, I love him. Aw. I mean... He kind of had, like, a pretty sweet Tom Selleck quality mustache and really round glasses. And you know he only wore tweed blazers because he's a goddamn teacher. Mm. Dream man. Right there. Not to mention the sick weed hookups. His family invented weed. I mean, you got to. You got to marry him. Just for that. The night of February 4th, 1974, Patty and Stephen's apartment at 26030. That's a weird way to say that. (laughs) I don't know how to say this. 26030 Benview Street in Berkeley. Keep that in, Nicole. It was weird. I'm doing it. Had its door kicked in by intruders. Three men broke in and began beating Stephen until he was weak enough to tie up. And then a neighbor heard the ruckus. Uh, Can you describe the ruckus, sir? No. And he came to help and was also beaten up and tied up. Patty was witnessed being carried out over the shoulder of one of the men. She was blindfolded and she was bound. She was put in the trunk of a car and as the man was closing the trunk, a few neighbors came out of the apartment building to sort of see what was going on. 
And the man that was closing the trunk opened fire on the neighbors. Yeah. So the neighbors took cover, which led to a shortage of credible eyewitness details about the night. And that Mm -hmm. was sort of kind of a big issue. Oh, because nobody saw their faces? Yeah, or like the license plate or anything like Uh, that. Oh, okay. And even though Patty's family was just unreasonably wealthy, Mm -hmm. her father was not the only heir to the family fortune, and he also had no control over the family's business. So her parents had personal security at their home, like all rich dudes do, Mm -hmm. but they didn't have personal security detail that followed them or their children around. Weird. I don't think it's that weird, though. I mean, if you have that much money, yeah, why not? I guess so. If you're there, they were literally the richest family, top five hands down in America. That's that true, time. and they were really well known. They're like royalty, basically. Yeah, if Americans had royals, we do. It's just really rich people. Exactly. <laughs> so because they basically weren't scared of anyone being abducted and didn't hire security, Patty got abducted. Mm. Yeah. Three days after her abduction, the Berkeley radio station got a letter from the Symbionese Liberation Army, a militant group of young men and women led by former prisoner Donald David DeFries, who went by General Field Marshal. I want to say it's Cinque because they... Yeah, they said this in the documentary and I can't remember how it was pronounced. I know that they were, like, super into, like, Che Guevara and, like, they yeah. pronounce things, like, like this. hmm So I'm gonna say Cinque. Okay. Yeah, and, I, I think that sounds right. I watched a CNN documentary and I think that's how they said it. And if it's wrong, I'm super sorry to Donald DeFreeze, I guess. Yeah. I'm not that sorry. No, don't be. The letter stated that they had a prisoner of war by the name of Patricia Hurst. And if you remember, Donald DeFreeze was seen at some of Jim Jones's rallies. Mm-hmm. You know, when people thought he actually cared about changing the world. But he didn't. But he didn't. No, he just cared about, like, I don't know, pushing puppies down trapdoors. So, really? How many episodes has it been and you still remember that and you have to bring it up? How many chances in the rest of my life am I going to get? You dirty, dirty bitch. (laughs) The Symphony's Liberation Army was hoping that after capturing Patricia Hearst, that they could use her as a bargaining chip to release two of its recently arrested members named Russ Little and Joe Ramiro. These two members had been arrested and charged for the murder of a school superintendent from Oakland, California named Marcus Foster. Yeah, and they apparently used cyanide-tipped bullets, which I didn't know was a thing until Stupid. This. Bullets I, already kill you. Why do you need to dip them in cyanide? Exactly. And I read that the reason why they killed him was because he wanted to permit mandatory ID cards at the school. Mm-hmm. And they saw this as him being fascist. Yeah. So they literally killed him over ID cards. I mean, like, come on, pick your battles. I don't know They wasted bullets and cyanide. They So many bullets and cyanide. And the worst part is that Marcus Foster was, like, super, super cool and really progressive, and he was this well-respected black man in a position of power, Mm -hmm. which wasn't super, like, that wasn't a thing in the 70s. So a lot of people were like, are you fucking kidding me? Mm -hmm. You want to kill this fascist pig? Like... Do literally anyone else. Like any other white man do at the time. <laughs> do a white because you did it wrong. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So people were super pissed. 
And in the meantime, Patty had been taken to a safe house where she was kept in a dark closet to hide her. This locked from the outside so she couldn't get out. And remember, Patty's grandfather was big into politics, so the SLA thought that they could kind of keep her in this little closet and use her as this bargaining chip whenever they wanted. Mm -hmm. But it didn't work. Patty's family couldn't help them. And the funny thing is that Ronald Reagan was the governor of California at the time. Really? Yeah. And word got to him that the Gretchen Wieners of San Fran got kidnapped. (laughs) And he was like, no, we're not trading her. Even before they asked. They're like, we know what's going down. We know why they did this. Not a fucking chance. Wow. That's a dick move. Ronald Reagan was not great. Well, yeah, he was a dick. But also, that's a dick move. Oh, yeah. He was our first celebrity president, wasn't he? Yeah, first of two. Nice. And they were both great. (laughs) They were both terrible. Killing it. So instead, four days later, a letter was sent to the Berkeley radio station. It read like an arrest warrant, and it stated, quote, Patricia Campbell Hurst, daughter of Randall Hurst, corporate enemy of the people. They also sent her credit card as proof that they had her, which seems just like super weak to me. Like, why didn't they send, like, a finger or, like, a picture of her with today's newspaper? It was just like, we have her credit card. Here's proof. A rich girl never goes anywhere without her credit (laughs) card. So you know we have her. I mean, they killed a dude over ID cards at a school, and they're not going to chop off the finger of a rich heiress? There it is. They loved cards. Seems pretty lame. It was all about the cards. (laughs) First the ID cards, now the credit cards. We got your story. We got your MO, people. We got it. We know. We see you. We see you in your car, loving. Then six days after that, they demanded a ransom from Patty's family in the form of $70 worth of high-quality food to every person in California who could prove that they aren't beneficiaries of the corporate capitalist state. How the hell are they going to regulate that? That is the most ridiculous <laughs> ransom I have ever heard in my life. Yeah, it's completely unrealistic. First off, it's about 96 words long. Just shorten it. Just be like, a bunch of money. To people in need. That's all you have to say. No, they wanted to say to people that aren't beneficiaries. They wanted these people to also prove that they weren't beneficiaries. How do you prove? I don't know, man. This was not a well thought out plan. (laughs) If her family agreed, they would release Patty. They said that the hearse needed to work with grocery stores to sort of set up this whole situation. Okay... And a message was broadcasted over the radio station from Patty. And she said, Mom, Dad, I'm okay. I'm with a combat unit that's armed with automatic weapons, and these people aren't just a bunch of nuts. I want to get out of here, and the only way I'm going to do it is if we do it their way. And I just hope you'll do what they say, Dad. Do it quickly. Well, And her dad was like, hmm... I don't know. Should we? Didn't he have like five daughters too? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. It's like I already got like a bunch of other You're ones. You're not the favorite, Patty. I don't need this one. You, we we could do without you, to be honest. You're kind. You're you know what? You're two inches shorter than the other ones. Mm. And frankly, that's a bad look in family photos. And you're dating your teacher. What is that? Just, have you seen his mustache? It's weird. He's a poor. It's weird. He is a poor, and we don't want it. Yeah, he was super extremely hesitant, and he didn't want to give them anything. Also, this was just a logistical nightmare because how the fuck was he supposed to do this anyways? Yeah, this isn't 
I mean, even if, even if you actually did have a really good plan to distribute all of this, it would still be a shit show. Yeah. And he's just supposed to give... First off, what is high quality food? Like, Only what does that mean? food from Whole Foods. Oh, the whole food. Not half a food. Not the half foods. Not half the and whole half. Foods. Whole milk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense, actually. No 2% here. You get the whole milk. Food from Whole Foods, the grocery store. <laughs> oh, is that what is you're what I about? was talking about. <laughs> Yeah, they only sell the whole food there. No, the whole, yeah. What did you think? They were going to like chop a tomato in half and be like, here's the half food. No, Whole Foods only sells the whole food. Yeah. Have you ever been there? Yes, that's where I shop. Yeah, they don't sell half foods. That yeah. would be weird. So the food that they had to get had to be from Whole Foods because yeah. it's expensive and it's quality. And it's whole. It's not half. Mm-hmm. Like you're not getting a discount. It's not like 50% no. off an egg because exactly. the egg was cracked in half. That's how they classify the quality. <laughs> By where it comes and how complete it is. Yeah, that's that's how you do it. <laughs> well, he said he wasn't sure if he could pull this off, which made Patty release another statement that literally said, stop acting like I'm dead. She actually said that? Yeah, I'm your daughter and I'm alive. Please save me. Okay. And he was like, hmm, I don't know. Which one was Patty? My favorite daughter. Nope, that's your. That's you. You're my favorite daughter. And he, she was like, "Daddy, I'm home and I love you." And he's like, "That's right. You weren't kidnapped. Great job." But Patty was kidnapped. Oh right, the one dating the poor teacher. The poor. Yeah. So he didn't really give a shit about that. But at the behest of his family, probably his wife, a few days later, he took out a loan for two million dollars and he set up the People in Need program. They did it through their business to get a tax credit. I'm, I'm sorry. He needed to take out a loan for $2 million? Yeah, his money's not liquid, Nicole. Like, he's like a super rich guy, but like, he doesn't just, it's not like liquid. He doesn't he just like walking around with wads can't of cash. Just sell off some assets. You, you know, like when guys yeah. have like a bunch of Bitcoin and they're like, I'm like super rich, <laughs> but like, it's all tied up in crypto right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much this family. Got it. So all his money was in Dogecoin at the moment. And he had to take out a $2 million loan. So they started this program called People in Need, which is actually like a really great program. Oh, it's still a program? No, it was. I mean, it was a really great program. But they did it through their business to use it as a tax credit. Okay. Ulterior motives here. And it was set up to feed 100,000 people for an entire year. Okay. Which is pretty dope. Yeah. They set up a distribution site. But that was poorly managed and people rioted and there was just general chaos until they came up with a system to make everything more streamlined. So it was just shit show after shit show. And Patty's sitting in this closet like, does my daddy love me? Papa, can you hear me? (laughs) No, no, he doesn't. She was yentling from inside of a closet. Also, to feed as many people as the Symbionese Liberation Army wanted, they would have had to buy $400 million worth of food. Yeah, I was going to say $2 million doesn't really seem like that's going to cut it. But no, he's, okay. like, he's like, here's $2 million. Does that work? <laughs> and with the obvious failed attempt to distribute enough food, the SLA was pissed. The SLA demanded $8 million more in food to be given away, but Patty's father counter-offered, which imagine counter-offering a group of domestic terrorists for your daughter's release. Yeah, this isn't like... You're not bargaining here. This is your daughter's life. Yeah, we're not playing Monopoly, Hearst. <laughs> so he said that the Hearst Corporation would donate an additional $6 million if they released Patty unharmed. 
Wow. The rich are the biggest penny pinchers. They're the cheapest people. Absolutely. That's how they stay rich. Yeah. Sort of like if your government is like, we're going to give you a $600 stimulus check. <laughs> and then they're like, we're going to give you a $2,000 stimulus check. But then they only send you another one that's $1,400. And they're like, see, 6 plus 14 is $2,000. There mm. you go. That's what he did. Instead of just giving an additional eight, he's like, well, I'll give you six because six plus two equals eight. You got it? Yeah. And they were like, fine, man, whatever. Who cares anymore? <laughs> and according to Patty, she was in this closet for over 50 days. What? She was blindfolded. She had her hands tied during which time the leader repeatedly threatened her death, Donald DeFreeze. And she was let out of the closet for meals, but she was still blindfolded so that people couldn't see her. During meals, she would join in on the political discussions that everyone was having, and they decided to start being nice to her and give her a flashlight so she could read SLA political tracts to memorize them. Well, yeah, she was there for 50 days. That's a long time. That's such a long time to live in a closet. Yeah, by that time, she was friends with them. Would you say it was some sort of syndrome? (laughs) (laughs) Some sort of Stockholm syndrome? Um get to that okay all right patty said of her time there quote defreeze told me that the war council had decided or was thinking about killing me or me staying with them and that i better start thinking about that as a possibility she said i accommodated my thoughts to coincide with theirs so she was kind of assimilating into their little culture here she was basically given the ultimatum either we're gonna kill you or you're gonna stay with us yeah okay she's like well one of those sounds great and the other one (laughs) is death so yeah not as great yeah but in a different later account patty said that she had been offered the choice of being released or joining the sla yeah it's not quite clear yeah and when she was asked for her decision she said that she wanted to stay and fight with the sla So they took the blindfold off and they let her see their faces for the first time. And it was like a real like big moment for her. Mm -hmm. Then she was fully assimilated into their group and she was given daily lessons on her duties. She was taught weapons drills. She was also told that she needed to know what, quote, sexual freedom was like for their unit. So she was raped by two of the members, William Willie Wolf, and then later Donald DeFreeze. It was two months after her abduction on April 30th, 1974, that Patty announced on tape that she had joined the SLA and taken the name of Tanya, which was inspired by one of Che Guevara's comrades. With Patty's newfound identity and freedom, she was now a member of the Symbionese Liberation Army, or the SLA. Donald DeFries wrote, The name Symbionese is taken from the word symbiosis, and we defined its meaning as a body of dissimilar bodies and organisms living in deep and loving harmony and partnership in the best interests of all within the body. Yeah, so like, to break it down, like a symbiotic entity is like when a mushroom grows on a tree and they Mm -hmm. both sort of like help each other thrive. It sounds very beautiful. Super cute. But the SLA was not a very nice group. No, they weren't great. No, very problematic. To put it simply, the SLA was a small group of militant revolutionaries in California in the 1970s. 
During this time, especially around Berkeley, young people were demanding radical change, and they wanted a brighter future for everyone. These youths, 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 fought in the civil rights movement and the anti-war movement, and they honestly just wanted change, kind of similar to the youths of today. Yeah, for sure. I read that around the time there were hundreds of thousands of these little groups of little armies, they called themselves. Mm -hmm. And there was also a lot of violence with these armies. Like at one point it reached like nationwide up to a thousand bombings from these little militant groups per day. Yeah. Yeah. Which is actually kind of depressing if you think about it that young people today are still having to fight for these Mm -hmm. things and to think as a country we just haven't really made too much progress at all no but benifer's back together babe benifer things are about to turn around (laughs) just you wait our time is coming the sla was a group of people fighting for these rights just in a more radical and i guess you can say extreme way because they used violence to be heard and seen, committing two murders in an effort for change. The SLA was active between 1973 to 1975 and is actually most famous for kidnapping Patty Hearst. That's honestly not a sick brag at all. Nope. Like, the only thing you do is kidnap a rich girl and you're only famous because she was already famous. Yeah. She was the Gretchen Wieners of San Fran, and she you was. stole her out of her bed. Yeah, that's not it's not even your fame. It's her fame. Not great. I read that out of all of the revolutionary groups during this time, the SLA was the least respected politically. Really? Mm-hmm. The group's motto was, death to the fascist insect that preys upon the life of the people. Wow, that just rolls right off the tongue. <laughs> On April 15th, 1974, and 71 days since Patty had been with the SLA, the SLA with Tanya, or Patty included, robbed the Hibernia Bank in San Francisco in which two civilians were shot, but they didn't die. The whole thing was caught on surveillance camera, and Patty can be seen holding a gun and pointing it at patrons and employees as she ordered them to lie face down as the SLA members robbed the bank. Yeah, there's a video of this on the FBI website. Mm-hmm. I think you can find it on YouTube, too, actually. Yeah, I think so. And it's I'm just going to bring this up because it's so funny. I know I showed you. <laughs> but if you put old-timey music like in front of it or like behind it or whatever. <laughs> yeah, specifically, I'm just going to give you guys a hint here. If you go to the FBI website and you look up this video and you play a song called The Maple Leaf Rag... You will piss your fucking pants. I watched funny. it like 30 times on repeat. It is so funny. Yeah, she showed it to me and it, I'll have to agree. It's pretty funny. During this bank robbery, they wounded two people, but they ended up getting away with $10,660. From the video footage, the FBI immediately recognized the robbers as members of the SLA And they also recognized Patty to be amongst them. That's not great to just be so recognizable that they're like, oh, yeah, you robbed the bank. We saw you. Right. The FBI speculated that Patty may have been forced into performing the robbery because in the video, there is another woman 
member of the SLA who has a gun pointed at Patty. And she's holding it pointed at Patty. A wanted poster was distributed by the FBI with pictures of Donald DeFries, Patricia Michelle Soltisic? Soltisic looks right. Soltisic. Nancy Ling Perry, Camilla Christine Hall, and Patricia Campbell Hurst. Patty was being charged as a material witness. Not a material girl. Not a material girl. That is until the SLA released a communique in the form of a taped recording by Patty, or Tanya, as she was now referring to herself as, with her stating she was full-on participating on her own free will. She stated that the robbery forced the corporate state to help finance the revolution and referred to her family as the Pig Hursts. Clever. Really good one, Patty. You (laughs) fucking nailed it. She also stated that she did not care if she ever saw her ex-fiancé ever again. Oh, no. Steven Ween. Sorry, Steven. She called him a sexist, ageist pig. She also brought up the fact that the FBI claimed that she maybe had been brainwashed, stating that it was ridiculous and that the only way to free oneself from the fascist dictatorship was by fighting. Not with words, but with guns. Fucking metal, dude. That actually is pretty metal. I have to admit that. Dude, she looks like such a badass during this time in her life. Well, it's because she's holding a gun always. She's, like, got a gun <laughs> and, like, beret. a beret and, like, a turtleneck. And yeah. it's just, like, I immediately ordered a turtleneck on Amazon Basics. Like, and a beret? No, I had a beret. Come on. <laughs> you know I'm a hat guy. You are a hat guy. The FBI launched a huge search, one of the most agent-intensive searches in history, to find Patty. That's crazy. I know, right? They ran down thousands of leads, but the SLA was very good at threatening informants, and it proved to be a tough case to crack. They even consulted psychics to try to find Patty. Really? But it didn't help. Exactly like that show Medium with Patricia Arquette? They consulted Patricia Arquette. Wow, and she wasn't Medium helpful. Arquette. Is that what we called her? Medium Arquette. Yeah. We've been talking about her a lot lately. We have. She keeps coming up. Hey, man. After the bank robbery, Patty and the SLA fled to Los Angeles to Donald DeFries's old stomping grounds where he had friends and where he thought he could recruit more members. But they faced some difficulties because they commandeered housing and supplies and were not well liked because of it. A lot of the people felt like DeFries and the SLA had actually lost sight of their main goal. And at this point, they were just being extremely violent yeah no shit dude yeah checks out yeah no right that's that's fine Mm -hmm. on may 16th bill and emily harris or teco and yolanda as they also refer to themselves (laughs) it's basically the same name it's pretty similar hey i'm william but you can call me teco and i'm emily but call me yolanda okay Teco and Yolanda tried to steal an ammunition belt from Mel's Sporting Goods store in Inglewood, California. How'd that go? While Emily made some purchases, Bill was caught shoplifting, and when confronted by the security guard, he pulled out a revolver to which the security guard knocked out of his hand. 
it's okay so the security guard was like no and just backhanded the revolver out of his hand basically that's how i like to picture it in my head so he backhands the gun out of bill's or Teco's hand and then he puts bill's left wrist in handcuffs no he knocked it out of bill's hand Teco would have never (laughs) let that happen this was an Emily and Bill crime. If Teco and Yolanda mm. had been in charge, they would have gotten away with it. So true, though. Mm-hmm. I feel like they would have. Oh, yeah. When Patty noticed that a fight had broken out between the store clerk and Bill, she shot 27 rounds into the storefront as the lookout, helping Bill and Emily flee the scene. That is truly unhinged. Surprisingly, she didn't hit anyone, though. So uh, maybe she's just got bad aim. Or great <laughs> aim. <laughs> it Either is really bad or really good. It aim. is one or the other. <laughs> because of this scuffle at the sporting goods store, police were able to locate the SLA and their safe house from a parking ticket left in the glove box of the van that Patty and the Harrises had abandoned when they <laughs> fled the scene. Okay. All right. That's fine, I guess. <laughs> it's it's kind of it's kind of stupid. I'm sorry if you're if you're driving uh, a stolen van that you plan to abandon that you plan to abandon <laughs> at least park it legally so it doesn't draw attention to it and doesn't get a parking ticket well yeah they didn't do that <laughs> no shit that again do you know what that was a taco move i can tell taco doesn't care about I laws feel like that's bill yeah i feel like that's a bill move that's a fucking idiot it's a hard bill move yeah it's a fucking hard bill right there <laughs> It's called pulling a hard bill. Hard bill. The other members of the SLA saw this botched robbery on the news, and they decided to move safe houses because of it. They took over a house occupied by two women, Christine Johnson and Minnie Lewison. With an anonymous tip called into the LAPD, the FBI and more than 400 LAPD officers surrounded the house demanding that the members of the SLA come out with their hands up. A man and a child came out of the house, and the man stated that there were no people left in the house, but the snitch bitch little kid said that there were. Once again, Mm-mm. never trust a child. Uh-uh. No, no, no. We've been over this <laughs> many times. This. You see a kid, you look him in the eye, and you say, I don't trust you, and I don't like you. <laughs> They can't keep secrets. They can't, dude. They can't Kids are little fucking snitch bitches. They are. Well, Mr. Police Officer, there's actually people in the house, and my dad's a liar. <laughs> little fuck. That's actually a direct quote. It's a direct quote. Mm-hmm. The SWAT team fired tear gas projectiles into the house and were met with gunfire from the members of the SLA, which started a gunfight. The SLA, fucking ridiculous. <laughs> the SLA were equipped with AR-15s and AR-180 rifles. They also had homemade grenades that they were throwing at the officers. Yeah, but they actually weren't grenades. They were just Jello molds in the shape of grenades, and they used green <laughs> Jello. Then they put a sparkler on the end of it, and they were like, "This will fool them," and they would throw them. And it was really gross and super sticky, and the cops didn't like it, but it mm. wasn't effective. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's actually, that's true. 
The FBI poured more than 5,000 rounds into the SLA's South Central LA hideout. That's funny because the SLA poured more than 5,000 jello grenades <laughs> into the police's hideout. The shootout was televised on TV. The police then set the hideout on fire with gas canisters, resulting in six SLA members being killed. The leader, Donald DeFries, though it was later discovered that he had died by suicide with a gunshot wound to the head. Dude, he Hitlered? Yeah. How fucking lame. Right? Come on. Go he on Jim a- Jones, he Hitlered. Jim Jones. Wow. Yep. The other members who died were Angela Atwood, Nancy Ling Perry, Willie Wolf, Patricia Soltisic, and Camilla Hall. Patty Hearst and Bill and Emily Harris watched the events unfold from a motel room in Anaheim, California, near Disneyland. Wow. Did they hit up <laughs> Disney after? They didn't. Well, I def- I never found an article that said that they didn't, so <gasps> I guess we can just say that they did. I think we should go on record and mm-hmm. say that they absolutely went to Disney. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to say that. So okay. after their trip to Disneyland, uh-huh. with their leader and good a good portion of their members killed... Mm-hmm. The SLA was clearly wounded, but they still had their prized abductee, and they were determined to continue the fight. A couple weeks later, the remaining members of the SLA, the Her- Patty Hearst included, got together with Kathy Solia and Mike Borton and several others who would later go on to join the group. On June 7th, Patty and the Harrises sent the press a recorded eulogy for the members that had been murdered. In it, Patty confessed her love for Willie Wolf and vowed that the SLA would not give up their fight. Yeah, it was super weird. I don't know if you read the transcript for this. I didn't know. But she's I like, heard the recording. But. She's like, I've never loved a man like I loved Willie Wolf. He was mm-hmm. like the sweetest, most gentlest man on the planet. And it was like, remember when he raped you? Baby? She also, yeah, she also said that he raped her. So, yeah, we don't there know. was a lot going on. We don't know the story. And also, it's so strange to me that this group is so super tiny. Yeah, they, yeah, they didn't have that many members. They were also the least respected, so maybe that's why. Yeah, that's true. After this, the SLA went into hiding, with 1974 nearing an end. Randolph Hearst withdrew his $50,000 reward for his daughter's safe return. So he pretty much just gave up on her. He didn't want to help her in the first place. Yeah. Yep. And he probably had to, like, buy more crypto. So honestly, like, if the price is low, like, you got to buy it <laughs> while it's hot so that you can really get in on the ground floor. I just don't understand why they didn't just drop her off and take the 50 Gs. I don't know. Maybe they were afraid they were going to get caught that way i don't know who knows i feel like no one would have cared yeah probably literally no one no the group did not emerge until february 25th 1975 when they committed another bank robbery in sacramento california and then another one on april 21st 1975 in carmichael california at Crocker Bank. Owned by Betty Crocker, actually. Yes, the Crocker family. Yes. They were the second most rich family. <laughs> yeah. To the Hearst. First it was the Hearst of the Hearst 
uh, communications. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it was the Betty Crocker family of Butterfame of Butterfame. And then <laughs> and then Stephen Weed, who invented marijuana, was like at the bottom of the list yeah. because he was because it we, wasn't legal then. We need to remind you he was a poor. <laughs> During this robbery, SLA member Emily Harris shot and killed an innocent bystander named Myrna Opsel, who was a 42-year-old mother of four. Wow. And who was just a customer at the bank that day. Emily later claimed that it was just an accident. She said Yolanda did it. (laughs) Then, on September 18th of the same year, 1975, Patty Hearst, Bill, and Emily Harris, and new SLA members Stephen Solia and Wendy Yoshimura were arrested in a San Francisco safe house. Patty was charged with bank robbery and other crimes. While Patty was being booked, she was asked for her occupation, to which she responded, Urban Gorilla. Well, that sounds way cooler than the Gretchen Wieners of San Francisco. (laughs) So I don't blame her. I don't blame her either. You know, you can't blame her for that one. What would you rather put down? Urban Gorilla or... (laughs) The Gretchen Wieners of San Francisco. Urban Gorilla. Yeah. For sure. Um, My father, who invented toaster strudel. Newspapers. I'm sorry. Newspaper strudel. Won't be too happy to hear about this. The September 18th arrest of Patty Hearst and her fellow SLA members was made by San Francisco Police Inspector Timothy F. Casey and his partner, Police Officer Lawrence R. Passero. I'm going to read a bunch of names here, and it seems pretty important, so I'm just going to say it, okay? Do it. Also, FBI Special Agent Thomas J. Padden and his partners, FBI Agents Jason Moulton, Frank Doyle Jr., Special Agent Dale Cooper, Larry Lawler, <laughs> Monty Hall, Dick Vitamonte, Leo Brennison, and Ray Campos. Dale Cooper was in there? Special Agent Dale Cooper. Did He, he came back from Black Lodge? Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. It was a sabbatical. Mm, yeah. Right, right. When she was booked into jail, she was just fucking wild. Just like a wild woman. <laughs> like you said, she called herself an urban gorilla mm-hmm. and she kept throwing up the power fist all over the place. Mm-hmm. Seems on brand for her. She wanted to talk to tons of reporters and she was like, fascist pigs, like whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. And her attorney was like, okay. <laughs> maybe we don't do that patty we're gonna need you to take it to a three patty yeah you're at an eight what did you tell me earlier i was a nine you were nine whoa i was above patty you were above i was above urban gorilla patty hearst talking about benifer wow it always gets you jacked up whenever you talk about benifer whenever i talk about benifer on our weekly benifer meetings (laughs) it's just i get fucking buck wild she does she gave her attorney a message to read to the public in between throwing up the power fist And the message read, tell everybody that I'm smiling and that I feel free and strong and that I send my greetings and love to all my sisters and brothers out there in the SLA. Not my real family. I don't like them. They're terrible and I hate them. (laughs) During her trial, the defense attempted to use a claim that Patty had been brainwashed by the SLA and effectively been working without her own free will. She had lost a dramatic amount of weight which she was already pretty tiny, around like 110 pounds. And upon her arrest, she was only 87 pounds. Whoa. Yeah, they were withholding food from her. The SLA was? Yeah. Why? I don't know. I don't know if they were just super, like, didn't have a lot of money. Oh, maybe, yeah. They were robbing banks, so. if it was some sort of, like, 
control tactic, maybe. Mm, okay. She also had this wild look in her eye, and she kept repeating, let's get it on. She is so not a raper. She's... <laughs> A psychologist who had done the first interview of Patty upon her arrest described her as being low IQ and a low effect zombie, stating that trauma was probably the culprit in her shift of character. Patty's IQ had dropped to 112 when it previously had been around 130. Whoa, I didn't know your IQ could drop. Yeah, this can be a result of extreme mental stress and also Um, malnutrition. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. She had huge gaps in her memory pre-SLA, back in the Patty days, not in the current Tanya days. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Tanya remembered everything. Patty, not getting everything. so before she had joined and Uh she was in the closet? Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. She was being held in a closet. True. She had developed a chain-smoking habit, which was super fucking cool, but also (laughs) very out of character for her, and she was also having extremely violent nightmares. A psychiatrist named Louis Joylan West was appointed by the court to determine whether or not Patty had been brainwashed, since he was the leading expert at the time. He agreed to work for free, since he was super excited about finally being able to use his extremely niche degree. <laughs> but why did he get it, then, if he's only going to work for free? Because he knew one day he would be a hero. One day, he would be on an airplane, and instead of them saying, is there a doctor on the plane? They'll say, is there an expert on brainwashing on the plane? And he'll get to say, yes, me, doctor, what's my name? Louis Joylin West. It's me. I'm here to help. It is I. And then he'll rip open his shirt, and it'll say, I know about brainwashing. Ask me about brainwashing. That's what it'll say. But he accidentally forgot that shirt and said he wore the I'm with stupid shirt. And no! then he ruined it. And the arrow was pointing up. So no one took him seriously <laughs> as being a doctor. No. Her first lawyer, Terrence Hallinan, had advised her not to talk to anyone, not even psychiatrists. But of course, she was like throwing up like the power symbol and like screaming about like free love and fascists. And yeah, shit, she so. straight up did not give up. Not so much. His defense was one of involuntary intoxication, that the SLA had given her drugs that affected her judgment in her memory. Oh, okay. Patty's parents decided that this was a bad way to go, and they replaced Hallinan with another attorney, F. Lee Bailey. Why does that sound very familiar to me? Because this attorney was also the defense for the Boston Strangler, and he was on O.J. Simpson's defense team. Oh, okay. Uh Uh-huh. All right. That's coming back. Coming back. He's like, you got a bad guy? I can help. What a dick. Yeah. Also, what does F stand for? Fucker. Yeah! (laughs) Fucker Lee Bailey. Fucker Lee Bailey. Sorry if my yeah just blew out anyone's eardrums. (laughs) I was so excited. His approach was to just, I don't know, kind of go balls deep, I'm going to say, in the coercion or duress affecting intent claim. He was fully in the camp that Patty had been brainwashed and she didn't know what she was doing at the time that she was doing it. Sort of like a mind-controlling beret. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, they put it on her and like the little antenna went up and it was like beep, 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 boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, Okay. Yeah, and then she was a robot. And then she just shot people with her gun. To old-timey music. It was very... <laughs> it was a fucked up time, man. The 70s were weird. They were wild. 
Over the course of several days, Patty gave long interviews to various psychiatrists who all came to the same conclusion. She had been brainwashed. A few days after her extensive interviews, she officially denounced the Symbionese Liberation Army and a psychiatrist yelled, Eureka, we have killed her! <laughs> and her parents were like, yeah, nailed it. And then that brainwashing guy was like, oh, shouldn't have worn my I was stupid shirt. <laughs> I packed the wrong shirt. Patty was diagnosed with, quote, a classic case of PTSD. She met all the psychological criteria of a coerced prisoner of war, which was sort of like super in the news right now. This mm-hmm. whole like prisoners of war coming back and just having basically PTSD before they called it PTSD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before they understood what it was. Yeah. She had been insisting that she acted that way out of her own free will, but her defense just used this as proof that she actually hadn't been acting on her own free will. Because why would young, beautiful, white woman with generational wealth in the world as her oyster willingly agree to work for a rebel guerrilla faction? Because she wanted the fucking thrill. She wanted to fucking feel something. She feel something. For don't, once in her life. Don't we all? Don't I fucking all. do. <laughs> I fucking do. Should yeah. go put my beret on. And because of this, there was a lot of sympathy for Patty during her trial. Mm. Only Patty was charged with the robbery at the Hibernia Bank. The trial began on January 15th of 1976 and was presided over by Judge Oliver Jesse Carter, which is a stupid name. <laughs> I'll get to why it's stupid. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I know it like, sounds like I'm being mean to a man, oh. but he's a stupid idiot and I hate him. Okay. Okay. We'll, t- we'll take it. Because he just so happened to be friends with one of the members of the prosecution. Oh, come on. Uh-huh. Which should be illegal. Yeah. And I can't understand how it's not illegal. A judge should not have any personal interest or have to do with anything that has to do with the case. Just like the jurors. Uh-huh. That should be the same for the judge. Like with radium girls. Mm-hmm. So ridiculous. He ruled that her statements written and taped after her robbery were voluntary and he refused to allow expert testimony to prove otherwise. <laughs> okay. He allowed the prosecution to use statements made long after the robbery, which shouldn't have been allowed. And he also allowed a recording made by jail authorities of a friend's jail visit with Patty Hearst, <sighs> in which Hearst used profanities and spoke of her radical and feminist beliefs. But he did not allow tapes of psychiatrist Lewis and Joylin West's interviews with Patty to be heard by the jury. So he was swaying the case mm-hmm. to be for the prosecution side. Right. Which is why I said is a stupid fucking name. Y- yep. Yep. Oliver Jesse Carter. You bitch. Patty claimed that the tapes were scripted, the ones that she released from the SLA. Mm-hmm. And well, yeah, it's not, they sound like they're scripted, too, if you listen to them. Mm-hmm. Sounds like she's reading off something. And she said that she was told she had to read them or she would be killed. Mm -hmm. The prosecution said that there was, quote, no actress alive who could have ever been so convincing. I wouldn't say she was convincing. It sounded like she was just reading something. Yeah. Well, in the first couple of ones, I mean, I don't know. Well, okay. Patty looked him in the eye and she said, you know what? That's showbiz, baby. (laughs) And she gave him a wink. And she flicked him off. She... Peaced out. She gave up, threw up the power symbol, and was like, fuck you, bitch. 
They said that the passion that she showed in the tapes, which I don't know if I would call that passion, Mm. was really convincing. But she said that she believed that the more convincing she was, the more likely she would be treated well and kept alive. So if they're saying like, you know, you, oh, you read that really, really well. You're right. She's like, well, yeah, no shit, dude. Like, I wasn't going to wink at the camera and be like, I definitely want to join the SLA. Help me, please fucking yeah and no one knows what yeah exactly nobody was there at the time so you I, you can't really say either way right it's completely hearsay and then during the defense's statement the judge was quote resting his eyes his fucking eyes were closed the whole time the judge was sleeping uh-huh and um, he was said to seem annoyed by the whole thing so yeah not great not a great judge you get paid very well to keep your eyes open you know yeah. that reminds me of fucking ted cruz sleeping oh my god a fucking zodiac killer <laughs> fucking dumbass little don't it's get ridiculous. me started you are getting paid to just keep your eyes open don't even pay attention just keep them open so easy that's all you have to do you just have them open you just have to do a job once patty took the stand during her trial which is absolutely insane and doesn't usually happen yeah wow She claimed that the SLA demanded that she look enthusiastic during the robbery and threatened to kill her if she messed it up. The defense provided photos of SLA members pointing guns at Patty's back to back up their statement, which Mm -hmm. is clearly shown in the video, too. Yeah, we see it. The FBI said it at first. She claimed that she didn't escape and instead decided to shoot her gun at Mel's sporting goods because she had been programmed on what to do in in an emergency. She said, quote, when it happened, I didn't even think. I just did it. And if I had not done it and they had been able to, and I had not been able to get away, they would have killed me. Which I believe. Yeah, I think it, I mean, both, yeah, both sides. I mean, no one really knows because it's, right. it's all, only she knows. That's true. The prosecution went hard, calling her, quote, a rebel in search of a cause and claiming that she liked feeling wild and free. They also tried to paint a picture of her as an amoral, loose woman. Oh, I hate that. A dirty feminist. I hate that. They said that she had voluntarily had sex with Wolf and Defries, which she had denied, again, stating that she had been raped. Mm-hmm. Judge Carter also allowed testimony from the prosecution psychiatrist about Patty's early sexual experiences. What? That should not even be brought up in her trial. Uh-huh. What does that have to do with anything? These had occurred years before the kidnapping exactly. and the bank robbery, but they did this in another attempt to sort of make her seem like a loose woman and just make her seem like she had no moral standing. Yeah, that's what mm-hmm. they like to do with women. Well, what I know is that a woman's morality is stored in her hymen, and when that's broken, <laughs> she just becomes basically a pirate whore. She's a dirty feminist. Mm-hmm. That's what you are. That's right. Yeah. When Patty was on the stand, she pled the Fifth Amendment 42 times. Wow. So why did they put her on the stand if she just wasn't going to talk? So did she only say what she needed to say and then all the other Mm -hmm. times? That's actually kind of badass, though. I I guess. If you just don't want to answer something, you're just like, I plead the Fifth. True. That's then you're turning it. Now the power's in your hands. That's true. Now she's got them by the balls. Yeah, I kind of like it. I don't know. I kind of like it. This made the press go nuts, though, and they claimed that she had something to hide. Oh, yeah. 
In their closing statements, the prosecution barely acknowledged that Patty had been kidnapped at all and held captive for so long. They sort of suggested that Patty had taken part in the bank robbery without coercion. The prosecution also stated directly to the jury that the female SLA members were feminists. So they would not have allowed Patty to be raped. And they're like, she's a liar. She was just having sex with whoever. Why would other women let her get raped? I don't understand why the whole her having... I don't know why her sexual experiences are so at the forefront of this case. It's like they didn't have anything, so they were just grasping at trying to, like, make her look like a terrible person Mm -hmm. by saying that she has sex. Because it was the 70s. Yeah. And they were men putting down a woman. I know. I know. It's just... That's just completely irrelevant. It's so fucked up, isn't it? Yeah. Her defense seemed to sort of give up at the end, and they ended their closing statement with the quote, But simple application of the rules, I think, will yield one decent result, and that is, there is not anything close to proof beyond a reasonable doubt that Patty Hearst wanted to be a bank robber. What you know, and what you know in your hearts to be true, is beyond dispute. There was talk about her dying, and she wanted to survive. Which is a pretty okay statement. Yeah, I think, yeah. He could have went harder. There isn't proof beyond a reasonable doubt, but yeah. they also do have footage of her actively Robbing participating. So, right. Well, he got way better since since this obviously you saw the oj trial this yeah this was like his practice round oh yeah for sure i mean everything is just like we said before no one actually really knows the truth because Mm -hmm. no one was there so and no one is was in patty's head so we don't really know if she was brainwashed or not right so we can't really have an opinion either way but on march 20th 1976 patty hearst was convicted of bank robbery and using a firearm during the commission of a felony Despite her claims of brainwashing, she was given the maximum sentence possible of 35 years with a possible reduction at her final sentencing hearing. That's a really, really long sentencing. Yeah, so 35 was the max, but then she Mm -hmm. also had to face the actual sentencing so she could get up to 35. The initial judge, Judge Carter, Dick Mouth Carter, (laughs) had died before the final sentencing, and it was... Judge William Horsley Oric Jr., who decided Patty Hearst's sentence. He gave her seven years, stating that rebellious young people who, for whatever reason, become revolutionaries and voluntarily commit criminal acts will be punished. But he went way, like, way leaner, probably, than Judge Carter would have. I think so, because if 35 is the maximum and she only got seven, that's not even mm-hmm. half of what she could have gotten. Oh, for sure. And this Judge Carter hated her. Like, right. From the but we have to also remember that she was only really, the only really thing they had around was bank robbery. She didn't kill anyone. Right. So, I mean, I mean, I know people get like five years for bank robbery, so. Right. I mean, it kind of fits. While Patty was incarcerated, she suffered from a collapsed lung, which was just the start of a series of medical problems she would face in prison. Patty underwent surgery for her collapsed lung, which also stopped her from being forced to testify in the cases against the Harrises and their 11 charges. 
some of which were robbery, kidnapping, and assault. So it kind of seems convenient. Yeah, that's like yeah, but you can't like col- like collapse your own lung. Exactly. You... Yeah. No. I'm. I mean, yeah. it's just it's 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 strange. interesting. Yeah. So she didn't have to testify. Yeah. Not saying either way, but she would have a... testified if Yolanda was on trial. I'll tell you that <laughs> she would have been there, collapsed lung and all. Yep. Mm-hmm. Patty was held in solitary confinement for security reasons when a dead rat was found on her bunk the day William and Emily Harris were arraigned for her her abduction, which clearly meant someone was sending her a message. Clear as day. That's right, that there's an infestation and they're here to take care of it, Patty. I'm here to take care of you. See this dead rat? I, I killed it for you and you're welcome. Use a rat, Patty. That's what that meant. Oh, no. Mm. Cinch bitch. Just like that kid. Cinch bitch. In November of 1976, Patty was granted bail for an appeal hearing on the condition that she was protected on bond and her father hired bodyguards for Patty while she was on bond. Oh, wow. For the first time ever. For the first time Great ever. Great job. We're finally hiring people to protect our family. Wouldn't it be hilarious if everyone in the family had bodyguards except Patty? <laughs> I, well, probably after this, I'm sure they probably... Oh, yeah. Hired people to do that. I'm sure. At this hearing, Superior Court Judge Talbot Callister. That's a ridiculous is, cartoon person's name. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a fun name. Gave her probation for shooting for the shooting at the sporting goods store in which she pleaded no contest. So basically, by pleading no contest, she wasn't admitting she was guilty, but she was agreeing with the facts presented in the case. So it's kind of confusing, but that's kind of just how our judicial system is. Yeah, super so confusing. She was saying that she wasn't guilty, but what they said about her mm. being guilty was right. I didn't <laughs> not do it, if that's what you're saying. Honestly, basically, that's yeah. how it is. The judge sided with Patty and stated that he believed she had been coerced and tortured into fighting with the SLA. Hmm. Attorney General Evel J. Younger stated that he believed Patty had received a stiffer sentence than a person of a lesser means might have. And I actually don't agree with that at all because, I mean, I just think that that couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. She had seven years for robbing a bank and domestic terrorism Mm -hmm. and was given special treatment in prison. If she had been anyone else besides a white woman, I think it would have been a lot worse. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. So I don't agree with that at all. But we'll give it to you, Evel Younger. What are these names? I don't know. They're they're wild. When you become a judge, do you get to pick a new name that sounds fancier? I really hope so, because a lot of them have fantastic names. So good. (laughs) So good. In May 1978, Patty's bail was, was revoked. Her appeals failed, and the Supreme Court declined to hear her case. Emily and Bill Harris were convicted on a less severe kidnapping charge. They could have been charged with a more serious kidnapping charge for ransom or kidnapping with bodily injury, but they weren't, and they were released after serving a total of eight years each. So they served eight years each. What did Yolanda and Teco get? They... Ran away and no one's seen them. Whoa. They haven't been caught. 
It's true. You know, I've never seen Yolanda and they've, Emily in the same room at the same time. So They've been missing since 1975. Good for them. Good for them. Remember our good old friend Leo Ryan? Congressman Leo Ryan. The same Leo Ryan who went to Jonestown in Guyana and was shot and killed by members of the People's Temple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Well, if you don't, listen to our five-part Jonestown series... Because you definitely should. You There's should. a lot of information there. You put a lot of work into it. <laughs> a lot, so. a lot of work. Please listen. But anyways, Leo Ryan collected signatures for a petition for Patty Hearst's release, actually. Wow. And he did so a couple of weeks before he was murdered visiting Jonestown. Mm, spend his time wisely. Yeah. So RIP to Leo Ryan. He Rip. was actually a pretty good guy. Uh-huh. Actually, the whole Jonestown situation was sort of used for Patty's defense. Really? Stating that if over 900 individuals were able to be brainwashed into joining and dying for a cult in one man, why wouldn't you believe that one woman was brainwashed by the SLA the same way? So It makes total sense. Yeah, it honestly kind of does. It really does. So eight months before Patty was eligible for her first parole hearing and just after the 22 months she had served in jail, President Jimmy Carter commuted Patty's federal sentence to 22 months served. I heard that Patty's family mailed him five tons of peanuts. (laughs) Jimmy Carter loved peanuts so much. He loved peanuts. That he was like, this Patty... I'm gonna have her. I'm gonna have her taken to jail. You know what? Just for you. I love peanuts. Mm-hmm. So she's she's out. She's out. Patty for a peanut. That was <laughs> the trade for a peanut. Mm-hmm. Patty Hearst was released on February first. Great day. Nineteen seventy nine. Noel's birthday. That's my birthday. But this was under tight restrictions, and she was put on probation. And she was put on probation for the sporting goods shootout still. Yeah, she wasn't allowed to shoot guns at sporting goods stores anymore. Mm. That was yep. part of her probation. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. On January 20th, 2001, on his last day in office, President Bill Clinton pardoned Patty. And she recovered all of her civil rights. Oh, wow. So I'm not exactly sure what civil rights were taken away from her, but it means that she would now be allowed to vote. Mm-hmm. She could hold public office if she wanted to, and she can serve on a jury. She's like, great. Thanks, Bill. Now I have fucking jury duty all the time. Imagine having Patty fucking Hearst as one of your jurors. I bet most people wouldn't know who she was. I bet you everyone would just dim- dismiss her um, automatically. Oh, I think yeah. she'd be chosen at all. True. It'd just be too much. She'd be like, fight the power. Fuck you, you fascist pig. I'm not fucking doing this shit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Two months after Patty was released from prison, she married Bernard Lee Shaw, who was, get this, a police officer who was actually hired as her bodyguard by her father during the time she was out on bail. Oh. Poor Stephen Weed. Officer and a gentleman. Officer and a gentleman. Stephen Weed. Oh, no. (laughs) I forgot about Stephen Weed. Yeah, how could you forget about Stephen? Sorry, he forgot too, man. He's been smoking too much. What did I call it earlier? Dank reefer. Too much dank reefer. (laughs) Rolling up a fatty J with Stephen Weed. You know an awful lot of weed terms for somebody who does not smoke it. I live on the internet. That's how I know things. I don't eat drugs. I wish. That'd be so cool if I ate drugs. 
Patty and Bernard had two kids, Jillian and Lydus Hurst Shaw. Lydus? Lydus. Touch the... Wait. L-Y-D-I-S. I hope I'm saying that right. Lydus. I'm assuming that's how you say it. Lydus. How else would you say that? Lydus. 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 It's Gillian and Lydus. <laughs> Patty later became involved with a foundation helping children with AIDS and she's also been very active in other charities as well. That's nice. Yeah. In 1981, Patty published a memoir called Every Secret Thing, co-written with Alvin Moscow. It was mostly Alvin Moscow's secrets, though. Yeah, it was. Yeah, we're going to. Yeah, probably. In her attempt for her money grab, Patty released firsthand accounts that authorities had no knowledge of what and they actually considered using them against her to bring up new charges that is a wild move patricia yeah they didn't but i mean they thought about it wow in 2009 she was interviewed by nbc and she stated that the prosecutors had claimed she was in a consensual relationship with willie wolf which she described as outrageous and an insult to rape victims Obviously, like we said, we don't know the true story, and we never will, but she was also filmed proclaiming her love for him, but then she came out and said he raped her, so two sides of the story. We don't know. We just don't know. Patty also appeared in a special for the travel channel called Secrets of San Simeon with Patricia Hurst. Wow. In it, she took viewers inside her grandfather's mansion, Hurst Castle. And gave the public an inside look that had never been seen before. Wow. I don't care. Yeah, pretty much. No one gives a shit. Yeah. Patty also tried her hand at acting. Appearing in movies such as Cry Baby with Johnny Depp. Have you ever seen Cry Baby? Yes. It is one of my all-time favorite fucking movies. It is such a weirdo classic, and I just absolutely I love, love it. I love it so much. It's Ricky so Lake is transcendent she in is. that fucking movie. So is Johnny Depp. I mean, oh my god, don't even get me so good. started on Cry So now Baby. we, we so... just have to rewatch it. Maybe we should pick that for a movie club. <gasps> just for this. Yes! <laughs> I want to rewatch it so oh, bad, I haven't so seen good. it in so long. But... Patty was also in the movie Biodome. Also one of my all-time favorite movies. Another great class, stupid class. <laughs> hey, buddy. Starring Polly Shore and Stephen Baldwin, if you're not familiar. And Stephen Bal- Baldwin, who is easily the worst Baldwin Yeah, brother. he's the bad Baldwin. Yeah, he's the Trump-supporting Baldwin. He's the, so he's the worst he's, one. Mm-hmm. We don't like him. And IMDb... Also says that she was in an episode of Veronica Mars playing a fictionalized version of herself. That's just a cameo. Yeah. These are just the highlights, though. She does have an IMDb page, and she has been in, like, a lot of shit. I mean, you saw her SLE videos. The passion (laughs) that she presented was so fucking good. No actor could have ever competed with that. Mm. Mm -hmm. But now, Patty is living a quiet life. She is living a very quiet and privileged life, participating with her dogs in dog shows, where she actually has won many awards. Oh, good for her. So her rebellious urban gorilla days are behind her, and now she's a dog trainer. Good for you, Patty. (laughs) Yeah. So that's that's about it for the Patty Hearst saga. She's living a regular rich white lady life now. Yes, she is. Getting walk-on roles to movies and... (laughs) 
having expensive dogs. Being able to train dogs for a living. <laughs> That's, hey, and man, show them. Living the fucking dream. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't complain. Well, that was a really interesting story. And I can't wait to talk about what you think about it on the after show. I know. I have a lot of feelings to feel. And it's not just about Benifer. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, but I do want to talk more about be. Benifer. Yeah. Yeah. Always got to. Well, God. we got to see if your theory is right. Now that they're back together, will the world... When will we know? How long do you think again? it will take for oh, equilibrium to be restored? I don't know. That's a good question. I guess I we'll know. find out. I don't have the answers of the universe, so I can't tell you. Written in the stars, mm. like Benifer's love. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Do we have a listener mail? Speaking of Benifer's love, we do have a listener <laughs> oh, mail. Oh, do we? Uh-huh. Trigger warning for this listener mail. It is about a baby dying. So, if you don't want to hear it, skip ahead a little bit, or we'll see you next week. Yeah. Okay, bye. This week's listener mail comes from our sweet, sweet Instagram friend, Elizabeth. We've been reading a lot of Instagram ones lately, so just a reminder, if you guys have a story, please just slip or slide into our DMs. You don't have to email us if you think it's weird. Yeah. Hit us up on social media. If you don't have an email it's, yeah. or you don't <laughs> want to email or you don't know what the word email means or you just want to be weird and slippery slide into a DM. Just slippery slide. Just do it, man. We like it. Just whatever. slippery slide. Okay. Elizabeth says, hey, spooky babes. Hey, Elizabeth. Hey, girl. So tonight, I got a big old sign from the universe that I should probably go to therapy to work on some shit. <laughs> but, oh, she trademarked that. That's so cute. She did. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. But it's true crime related. So here we go. Yay. I spent 12 years of my life living in the middle of nowhere. And with any small town, there's always drama to be gossiped about. Hot goss. Love hot goss. It's a hot goss episode. It is a hot goss episode. It's a thick sewed with hot goss. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) Usually it's about who's sleeping with whom or whose kids got suspended for climbing the school on prom night, (laughs) which happened way more than one would think. That's hilarious. Climbing the school. But what you don't expect to be town gossip is who caused the death of an infant. Oh, that got dark. Record scratch. Do it. God, you're so good at sound effects. Thanks. Now, I bet you're wondering how we got to this point. And honestly, same. Here's what I know happened without playing the blame game and adding my own personal bias, which I'm aware that I do have. Well, naturally. Two young parents, S and E, names redacted. So let's name them S. What is, who is S? Sonia. And who is E? Evian. (laughs) Refreshing. (laughs) Two young parents, Sonia and Evian, had a baby boy together. The, ba- <laughs> the baby died when he was only two months old. The medical examiner ruled it as a homicide and are saying that the baby was shaken to death, which is super sad, oh obviously. Yeah. And I do feel for the family and the fact that they lost a child. Mm-hmm. From what I've gathered, blame is being put on the father Oh, shit. We did the wrong. Sonia, <laughs> as he was the last one who who was with the baby before he died. However, Sonia's mom, M, what does M say for? Marsha. Marsha said he's innocent and that the mother 
Evian did it. Like fits. And Dr. Phil has given her an audience to hear her side of the story. Whoa. I'll attach the link here for you guys to watch. Feel free to like interrupt my story and add your two cents because I'm super curious and need to hear an unbiased viewpoint. LOL. Whoa. Okay. We are back on after having watched the video. And we have a lot of feelings about it. I'm going to continue with the letter and then we'll chat about it afterwards. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Elizabeth continues. And okay, I get wanting to like defend your child against false allegations. And I also realize that there's importance in bringing cases into the national spotlight, Mm -hmm. like victim advocacy and all of that. And I know what I'm about to say stems from my own bias, and therefore we shouldn't probably put too much weight in it. But here's my two cents. I don't know who's, quote, guilty in this case. And in fact, I'm sure that there's blame to share by all parties. But I don't trust M, the mom, I don't remember what we named her. Marsha. Or Marsha, or her son, (laughs) purely because I know her. And I know she'd do and say anything to protect her children, Mm -hmm. which is like, yeah, every mom would, but not every mom threatens you or your family for speaking out against her child. Mm -hmm. I think that's the same conclusion that we had come to. Uh Uh-huh. That everyone and no one can be blamed here. Yeah. And also the mom seemed to be the one pointing the finger, which I don't know if you can do that in this. Yeah. No. You can't on Dr. Phil, that's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. To briefly summarize what I should be telling a therapist, probably, lol. From grades three to six, Marsha's daughter, D, was another person, which we named her. Well, this is the first time we've seen her. We'll name her Danya. Danya? Okay. Like Tanya, but with the D. Oh, I like it. Okay. So, Danya made my life hell. To the point where my parents were concerned about how sad I was and how hard it was to get me to go to school when I learned, when I loved learning as much as I did. They got in contact with the principal, who then set up a meeting with my parents and Donia's mom, Marsha? Marsha. My parents told Marsha what I had told them about her daughter and how she was treating me. My teacher even popped into the meeting to see what she she had noticed in class and how Dania and the other kids treated me. Marsha's reaction was not expected. Instead of trying to cooperate with my parents in the principal and to try to figure out how Dania and I could like build a better relationship, she called my parents and the principal liars and said if my parents or I ever spoke out against her child, she would kill us. Point blank period. What? She said, quote, I would shake you like a baby. What? That's crazy. What? No, I I just made that part up. Okay, okay. Left everyone in the office speechless and then up and left the meeting. Yeah, she seems like that type from the video. Kind of unhinged. Yeah. Needless to say, my parents grabbed me and took me out of school for the day. From what I remember, I think one of them took me home to hang out with me while the Mm -hmm. other went to go file a police report to like... Just have something on record, just in case. Hell yeah, good on your parents, Uh because I know that there are a lot of parents that probably would just let that slide, so Uh good on them. And apparently, this year already had a huge file on not only what Dania, but also her mom had done, so that's nice. Wow. Another fun fact, a few weeks later, Dania took a page from her mom's book and also threatened to unalive me. What? 
So like, I definitely have bias to that whole family. And I realized that. Mm -hmm. And when my friend had texted me that this story was taking place, I was like, what the fuck? And it was really weird seeing them again on video. Watching it just felt super weird. And I'm sure that this is just my personal bias speaking, but it felt like there was just something off in how she reacted in the story that she was telling. Mm -hmm. She's talking about the mom, Marsha. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie, it really set my brain spiraling with everything, lol. So I definitely feel like the universe today told me that I've got some shit that I need to work through and I'm working on it. And to that little sweet baby boy, I hope that the truth comes out and I hope that you get justice. Mm -hmm. We don't choose the situations we're born into and I wish he had born, been born into better circumstances. Mm. If I get any more updates on this case, I'll slippery slide into those DMs. Please do. Winky face. I didn't know this was like a, a recent thing that was happening. It seemed pretty new. I think yeah. they looked like COVID distance, didn't they? In the oh, video. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks for being the amazing people that you are. Your posts and episodes have always made me smile. Oh. Lots of love. Your favorite cartoon character. Cute little emoji. Elizabeth. Oh. Thank you, Elizabeth. That story is truly unhinged. I am so curious to see what happens with this. Uh, it's so funny that you, well, I mean, obviously try to be completely unbiased too, but the mom in this situation seemed like she was kind of steamrolling things. Oh, dude. So to get a little backstory on that uh huh, is actually very interesting. It's honestly what we were thinking before we even, because uh -huh. we paused it and read, or we paused it and watched the video and then continued to read. So we didn't hear the, the rest of the story. No, no. And it was just really weird. We had the exact same uh -huh. feelings that you emanated in your uh, retelling. So yeah, it really felt like the mom was kind of pushing. Yeah. It was, I'm, I don't know. I'm very curious to see what happens in this case and... Uh, thank you for sharing this yeah. with us. And we will update everyone if we get an update. Yeah. I will definitely be following this story. I know. I'm I'm extremely curious now. So thank you for your story. We always appreciate them. Yes. And if anyone else has a horrific true crime story that they would like to share with us, whether it's new, whether it's old, if you want to tell us a paranormal ghost story or just pop in to say hi, email us at quiteunusualpod at gmail.com or like we've said 600 times, <laughs> slippery slide into our DMs. We love it. Follow us on all the social media. Social We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Parlor. We're on Reddit. We're not on Parlor. I think they shut that down. Yeah, we need to stop making that joke. <laughs> yeah, it's not very funny, actually. But we are on Patreon. We are. And on we Patreon. do have a Patreon. So if you love the podcast and you want to support, or, like, I don't know, maybe get some, like, extra cool content. Like, some super cool content. Some actual, extra bonus We do stuff. after shows for almost every episode. We put out new shows. We do. You get an exclusive, depending uh -huh. on the tier. Lots of fun extra bonus content. Lots of little treats come your way also. And we have some new patrons to welcome. We do. Welcome to Susan H. And to Katie T. Welcome to the coven. We're extremely happy to have you. And always remember to celebrate the strange. And keep it unusual. Bye. Bye.
And now, the part of the show where we burp into the microphone. <laughs> and then we give praise to the all-knowing leaders, the supporters of the podcast, and all-around benevolent beings. To Spencer W., who was hired as a counselor at Camp Crystal Lake, but was warned by Crazy Ralph to stay away, so he flew back to England and let Tina the Psychic handle it. That Tina, she knows everything. She knows everything. To Tim M., who set out to solve all of the unsolvable mysteries. But suddenly, when he went to write his book, he just, like, had writer's block. Mm, that's unfortunate. I've never had that before. No, me either. Never, yeah, not even never, one time. Never. Never. Savannah L. Received her letter to Hogwarts. What? Is that it? Is that it? Yeah! Congratulations! What? Oh, look at what! Look at you! You're gonna Hogwarts! You're gonna Hogwarts! You're gonna Hogwarts! What house did you get sorted into? We're curious. You have to let us know. Does the hatch smell? It look like it would smell. Honestly, yeah, it doesn't really wash that. It's really gross. Yeah. 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 To Samantha of House P, the first of her name, Queen of the Andals and the First Men, Protector of the Seven Kingdoms, the Mother of Dragons, the Unburned, the Breaker of Chains, the Khaleesi of. Wait, 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 wait. What? I think I've heard this before. Have you? I, I don't know. It kind Wasn't of sound, it? it sounds familiar. Oh, you know what? I think it was in that game we were playing. Did musical chairs? Mm, oh, yeah, I think it was the game of game of chairs. Game that's, of chairs. That's what it was. Stools? Stool time? I don't remember. No, something like that. I don't know. Mike B., who found an ancient book of origins, unknown, thinking it might be bound in human flesh and have a curse placed upon it, Mike brought that book to a historian. Good move. Turns out... It was just a really old and dirty copy of Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, a dirty copy? Mm. Pun intended. <laughs> to Lauren R., a dwarf whose family has been brewing the finest dwarven ales since the year 10, mm. has recently expanded their repertoire in brewing to something much fancier. Miller High Life. Ah, yes, yes. The champagne of beers. Galio, a champion of King Arthur's court. To be a part of the court, you must be skilled in the ways of the sword. Always chivalrous. Defend the good and strike down the bad. But above all else, never burn popcorn in a microwave. Oh my god, it takes forever for burnt popcorn smell to leave. It never leaves. It's terrible. Mm, yeah. To Jess H., Jess just recently bought a crystal ball to begin seeing her future. Unfortunately, all the ball wants to talk about is itself. Mm. No one cares where you see yourself in the future, crystal ball. No one cares. Mm. So conceited. Evan Kay, a hovel dweller who has taken up residence in the deep forest of Luciferia to begin raising guinea pigs. Uh? Not only for companionship, but it turns out guinea pigs are quite good at chess. Oh, those little nimble fingers. Mm, yes. Makes sense. Mm. 
to Adam R., who thought he was practicing the dark arts. But it turns out he was practicing the, the dark arts. Now he won't stop yelling, Revenge of the Nerds! Christina N., a novelist who has written the greatest and scariest story of all time. But she's too scared to proofread it, so it will never be published. What a pity. What a shame. And finally, to Katie T., a listener who fell through a magical portal into a fantasy land, but is, luckily enough, still getting a Wi-Fi signal and has been communicating through Instagram. Don't worry, Katie. We will get you out of there before you get initiated into that game of mushroom fairies. We promise. Just slide into our DMs. It's fine. Thank you to all our coven members on Patreon. Without you, we... Are nothing. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. 